So how old were you when you discovered that life takes work? 10? <laughs> that's, that's pretty early. <laughs> how old were you, Betsy? Yeah. So Betsy turned 94 yesterday. It is a stark realization, though, when you come to the point of understanding that life does take work. You know, it's, um, it's one of those moments when you realize that life takes work, but something else just happens, right? That should be a bumper sticker, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but for life to work well... It takes a particular kind of work and maybe a particular kind of intelligence. Um, some people call it emotional intelligence. The idea of, of cluing in to uh, a, a sense of how we were created individually, because we're all different. We all have a uniqueness about us, a thumbprint that, that makes us uh, just a little bit off. Or at least we think that of one another, right? Because we think, I'm normal. And, and you're just a little bit off. And, and all of us do that, right? I mean, we, we all have this moment where it's like, I'm normal. And then everything else adjusts from there. And so we're taking a look at, at this, uh, this concept uh, that, that gives us a tool for life, a tool for emotional intelligence, this idea of the gears and understanding different ways uh, that, that we are able to engage emotional intelligence or emotional health and, and to remain in that life that works where it's hard and, and yet at the same time understand the tools that it takes to live in that life. You know, it doesn't take many tools to, to be handy around the house. Um, you, you know, a, a hammer is really helpful. And, and they all kind of look the same. I mean, yours might be bigger, smaller, or whatever. But, you know, it's got a handle and it's heavier at the end. And, and a pair of pliers is, is really good to have. You know, uh, 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 just a pair of pliers that you can grab a hold of things and yank on them and jerk on them and all kinds of stuff, you know. And pull things out and t twist things and stuff like a pair of pliers, you know, a screwdriver. You know, having a screwdriver, uh, you know, it obviously it's made to, you know, screw things in, but sometimes it's made to pry things, and sometimes it can be used as a chisel, and, and it becomes a really, you know, good thing. And then if you get, like, one that's got this, you know, just one little slot flathead, and then another that's kind of got a crosshairs in it, kind of a Phillips screwdriver, you know, that, that becomes really, really helpful. And, and just a few tools can, can really go a long way. To, to making uh, work around the house be much easier. Well, the same is true of our emotional intelligence. Just a, a few tools, a few things can, can go a long way. And, and so this uh, four weeks, we're looking at one of those tools that we can put in your tool belt 
to, to be able to understand what it looks like to grow in your own emotional intelligence. So I want to take a look at, at, at all of those tools. Now, you know, they're based on the manual stick shift. And as Justin has highlighted last week, especially for most of you, you don't drive a manual stick shift, but I do. And this week, if you would like the experience, I would be more than happy to loan you my 1996 RAV4. It is virtually indestructible. And you, you will take you out in the back lot here, and you, know, you can just you know, do what people do when they don't know how to drive <laughs> a, a manual transmission. But uh, I'd like to give you an overview of that. And, and instead of me doing it, uh, I happen to uh, steal a, a uh, borrow, borrowed a, a, uh, a video from the internet from uh, the guy, one of the guys who, who really developed this tool. His name's Jeremy Kubitschek, and he's with a, uh, an organization called Giant Worldwide. And, and they just build these little tools like this for people, and they work in, in all kinds of different spaces. And so um, Jeremy was, was uh, uh, in, in a city, and, and they, they captured him on this video. So it's not the greatest audio in the world, but, but I think you'll get the idea as he just overviews uh, all five of the gears, but he's going to add a sixth idea to begin with. And that, that idea is that, is that most every car that's worth its salt has a reverse. Right? Anybody ever had a car without reverse in it? You know, they actually made one. Oh, uh, they actually made one on purpose in England. It was a three-wheel car. And the whole idea was it was light enough that when you needed to go backwards for the, the little bit of time, you could push it. And, and they saved, you know, they saved uh, money, and it was, it was much cheaper and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but in life, reverse is a very important thing. And Jeremy's going to start with that right now as we watch this video. is basically responsive. It's learning how to be responsive. It's learning how to back up. <laughs> Justin, I'm sorry, man. That was my fault. I totally thought this. I was running so so fast. Apologize for that. You forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. I know. I know your intent. You're good. Okay, good. I'm being responsive, but I knew that I overstepped my bounds, so I'm backing up. Have you guys ever had a vehicle that didn't have reverse in it? <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, motorcycle. Uh, motorcycle. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Any four-wheeled car that doesn't have reverse in it, you have to push a lot, right? Neutral, pushing. So uh, there are certain of us that don't use reverse very often, and it makes driving very, very difficult. So you've got the gears. Does everyone understand those? General, so I'm going to give you some visuals, and then you can ask questions on these, okay? So these visuals aren't, I mean, this is just one visual, so, so it's not exactly, you know, fifth gear can be this right here, a financial analyst who's just in the zone, no one else, it's like, it's basically, you've got blinders on, and, and it's, you're making things happen. Now with fifth gear, 
fifth gear can last um, a long time. I mean, or it can last for 15 minutes. It, there's times where I'm like, I'm so focused, I got that done. Yes, that felt great. I spent 20 minutes and then I got it done. So two can be all day. Now, some people can take fifth gear and go too long. So that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. And they can stay in fifth gear in the wrong setting. But fifth gear is really a focus. Fourth gear, it looks like this. It's riding, phone, connecting. There's other people around. Again, I think you know what that looked like. Third gear is social space. Some of you hate this space. Some of you are not very good at it. And some of you thrive. Like, oh yeah, that's my people right there. So you're, you're in the zone, you're meeting people. It's like, you know, some of you, this is third gear and fourth gear. Um, both. We're, we're, we're talking, we're causing you to have conversations that you, you never thought you'd have today, and you're meeting people you never thought you'd have. And at lunch and at other places, it's third gear, and there's a social part of it. And, you, and as adults, we have to learn how to do third gear social and fourth gear work. And some people have not learned how to do that very well, which causes all types of connection issues. Second gear, again, another example, it's around the table is one. Now that's kind of Pollyanna-esque, okay? It may not work that way. It may be coffee with a friend. It may just be talking with someone. But you're being present and you're connecting. And then again, first gear, which is not just couch, but it could be that you're just resting. Right? I'm contemplating, I'm resting, I'm recharging. So what I want you to do is I want you to first, uh, here in a second, you're going to create your gear order, okay? In the same way we did with five voices. So let me give an, an illustration here real quick. Uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, gears. My gear order, my natural uh, tendency is I love fourth gear because I love to work and I work a lot. And I'm working at home a lot and I don't have, we don't have offices. So we all work out of our homes around the world. So it's kind of decentralized business. But I'm working a lot, and so I just love to think, process. So fours is my number one gear. My second gear, though, is actually second gear. I've actually, over time, for a number of different reasons that I can go into later, have really learned how to do second gear. And so I really enjoy it. And so that's my second one. Third gear is third, and then Fifth gear is my fourth gear, and I have to, uh, number four, I, like when I write books or certain things, I have to get focused, and I actually enjoy that. I just don't do it very often, and I get very, very distracted, like, there's a bird, you know, that kind of like, <laughs> I'll shift all of a sudden into something else. So like, if something flashy comes up or an email or something else, I can go straight to the fifth gear and out, so I'm not in it very long. And then my last one is I don't know how to do first gear very well. I don't know how to recharge because I'm an extrovert. And so I love to always make sure everyone else is good. Family, you know, taking care of my emails and people. I want to make sure that we're moving. So I have a harder time recharging. So I had a birthday recently and my family goes, hey, what are you going to do? You can do anything you want all day Saturday. I'm like, awesome. What do I do? <laughs> Like, what do I want to do? I don't know what to do. But I went around interviewing my kids. What do you think I should do? What do you guys think you should do? I couldn't, I could not tell you. So I spent two hours kind of like, I watched a football game I wanted to see. I went to this, you know. But it was hard. It was so difficult because it was not natural for me. Where some of you were like, are you kidding me? If I had a day, 
you know what I do? So those are those are the gears. So I want you to pick, and everyone's different. Steve has his different gear order. I want you to choose your gear order. So take a couple of minutes, write it down. Which one is first, second, third, fourth, and fifth? All right, now I know that we don't have time here for you to choose your gear order, but I think we have time for you to really kind of declare what is your preferred gear? What gear do you prefer? So, so first gear is that recharge mode. You know, when, when you're recharging, it's things that, that feed into you, that, that the, the kind of relaxing that you like to do. Now, it may not just be sitting on a couch. It could be doing something. Could be a hobby, or could be you know reading, or something like that. But but it's recharging. It, it just it restores the the uh, soul that is within you. Second gear is what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, and that's being present with people, being connected, learning how to connect with people in such a way that that they feel connected with, and you feel connected to. Third gear is, is sort of that social mode, and it's the kind of mode that most of us came in here this morning. It's that, that mode that, that deals more in the surface, but it's, uh, it's the ability to connect with people, and, and it, it's where relationships start. And it's where we, we need to be good at that to be able to, to get to, say, a, a gear two. Fourth gear you know, is, is that gear of uh, work. It's that sometimes multitasking and stuff, but it's, it's productivity mode. And it's a mode when we're getting things done. And fifth gear is really flow. In that moment, and I, I know that if you're like me, I don't experience this very often, but it's that moment where time just stops. And, and you get involved with something, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that much time went by. And it's, it's that flow idea. And then, you know, there's always that reverse. There's that idea of responsive mode, that ability to, to back up and to apologize. And, and, you know, unfortunately, for some of us, that is our primary mode. And, and, and that's a problem. Uh, that's a real problem. So I want you to just take a moment, take a deep breath and think, what's my default mode? All right, and I want you to t- turn to someone around you, uh, someone that will not give you any um, condemnation or judgment or smirk or you know that kind of stuff. Someone that you feel safe with, right? You've all got those sitting near you. <laughs> and I just want you to hold up fingers and to say, You know, just, just hold up your default mode, all right? This is a pretty tense moment, isn't it? What's your default gear? What, what's your preferred gear? If you, if you could choose to be in a gear, what, what, what's your preferred gear? All right, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Everybody, everybody declaring here? All right, I'm like, I'm like Jeremy. I, I, I prefer fourth gear. I could eat, sleep, work, and die. That would be, I, I would be in great joy. I love doing what I do, and I, I could do it 24 hours a day if I, if I could. It's not a problem. When it comes to relaxing, number one, the idea of recharging, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm terrible at that. I'm just terrible at, at figuring out how to recharge and and. And sometimes even when I try to recharge, I get frustrated at myself because 
I just don't know how to recharge. And so that's one thing I'm working on is figuring out what does it look like. So this Thursday, for instance, is a really re big recharge day for me. Uh, you know, Holy Thursday is like the most important day of the year for me. You all know what I'm talking about, right? March Madness starts on Thursday. It is almost 10 hours of nonstop basketball. And I love it. And it's one of the ways I know I can recharge. And so if you're interested, <clears throat> I'll be at the landing. I've got some tables reserved, so come on over and watch basketball. And, uh, you know, it's like I, I love doing that. So how many of you had two as your, is it? Possible to declare those twos, twos? Okay. We, we need to gather all of you together up here on the stage right now because you need to deliver this message for me. <laughs> you see, I don't know if I really discovered the importance of what second gear was all about until I found Jesus. Um, because I, I lived pretty much, and I'm not sure I could even blame my parents for this, but I just grew up with a me-centered type of life. I just grew up trying to figure out what satisfies me. And so most of my life was, and it, and it didn't even seem abnormal, I was just sort of me-centered. And I was trying to figure out what it looked like to love on me. And then I found Jesus. And, and, and Jesus, uh, he, he really drove a stake in the ground because the statement that he makes in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That, that moment, it, it, it began to, to help me understand that my way and Jesus' way were, were really different. And that if I wanted to get truth in my life, and, and, and I wanted to find the life, then I might have to get on the way. I might have to figure out what does it look like to get on the path that Jesus has called me to. And, and as I began to get my fingerprints on the Bible and read, there were passages in the Bible that kind of became anchors. You know, there are just, uh, even though there are 66 books here, there are a lot of chapters, and there are a lot of words on the page there are very few central anchor truths in the Bible. And, and everything else hangs off of them. And I, I think this is one of them in Philippians chapter 2. Paul is, is talking to the Philippians. It's a, a, a group of people that he particularly loves. In fact, if you uh, read any extra biblical literature about this book of Philippians, many people call it the, the letter of joy. Because joy is mentioned more times in these four chapters than any other book in the Bible. And Paul is, is, is really, his relationship when he thinks of the Philippians is a smile. And so as he's talking to them, he's not correcting them, he, he's not spanking them, you know, he's not exhorting or challenging them. He's, he's just simply writing uh, out of a heart of deep pleasure in the relationship that he has with these people. And, and he gets to chapter 2. And he says, uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement being united 
with Jesus. If any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. And then in verse 3, I, I think he, he says to them, here's how you do that. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourselves. You see, the way that Jesus uh, has for us is this kind of other-centered life, this idea of understanding that the truth is it's not about me. And by discovering that way and consuming that truth, I find the life that Jesus promised. So this second gear, this second gear is putting this anchor truth into practice. What does it look like to connect with other people? What does it look like to, to live an other-centered life? To be able to connect in a way that people feel known by you. I, I grew up uh, for some odd reason. I was named after my grandfather, Roy Sivright. Um, now, my grandfather was, was not a, a moral model in my life. Um, in my college years, I brought a college roommate home. Uh, and my grandfather, it's 11 o'clock at night in the yard as we're, my college roommate's being picked up by his parents there. And my grandfather... Uh, begins to describe this what he would do to someone uh, who showed up in his yard that was not of the same race as him. And he had his shotgun behind the door. And, and if you can imagine, he, he, he used language that was so inappropriate, so derogatory, so, oh my gosh. And I'm sitting there, and this is the guy I'm named after. So, I have never really liked my name. I, 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 it, it, I mean, the, the fact that he didn't have any teeth, and, and he was a crotchety old guy. It's like, I, I, I'm like, Mom, what were you thinking? I know he's your father, but, but man, I've got to live the rest of my life with this image in my mind. And so... With that kind of stuff swirling inside me, I don't even like myself growing up. So how is it I'm going to figure out how to be other-centered? So it's no wonder that all I did was try to fig figure out how to make myself feel better. But when I discovered Jesus and the love that he had for me and the fact that he had died on the cross, that he not only loved me, but he liked me. I was created in his image that I, I had these fingerprints of of my heavenly father on me, it began to change my understanding of myself. So it began to change the understanding of how I could reach out and connect with other people. It even changed the understanding of what it was like to be known for me. 
I love for people to know my name. I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. I, I, I met a girl in college seven times. All seven times, she had no idea who I was. I'm still trying to overcome the bitterness. <laughs> you, know, so, you, you want to be some, not, not, not like somebody. It's not like you want to be at the Oscars and be on the red carpet tonight or something like that. No, you just, you just want to be known. You want people to know you. And a part of connecting is learning people's names, recognizing them. And it, it makes us feel like we're known. And, and the second part of, of connecting is, is, is being discovered. You know, it's uh, amazing to me how curiosity has become a lost art in our world. Now, there's a, a piece of it that, that happens as a result of the contentious world we live in today. There are just so few subjects you can steer through to make sure you don't get, hit a landmine. You, you don't want to talk about anything that has to do with red or blue to be able to figure out that this person doesn't hold the same political views as you. You know, and, 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 and so we get this, this, this kind of uh, navigational friction and it causes us to go passive. And we, we stop being curious about one another. But you and I were made to be discovered. We, we were made to be um, discovered and, 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 and have people want to know the story that we are living, because it is amazing. D despite how simple, and, and despite your emotional state this morning, despite whether you came in feeling like slug spit, it, it, it doesn't really, you, you, you take this by faith if you have to, but your story is amazing. It's worth list, being listened to. Maybe no one's trying to, Tell your story on the movies or in the TV or in a book, but, but the fact is, is that your story is so unique and so interesting. You deserve to be discovered. You, you discovered to have this moment of, of exploration where, where people are, are asking you questions. And so I, you know, I wonder for you, um, can you connect with others? Do, do you and I have this ability to, to ask questions of other people? You see, a part of gear two, gaining that ability to connect is, is learning to just simply ask questions. And you know what's fascinating about questions is there's really no question that's out of bounds. When, when you approach someone with a posture of humility and, and you approach with a posture of wanting to learn and, and to explore them so that they will feel discovered, there's really nothing that's, that's out of bounds. In fact, for us to be fully human, it, it may be that to get gear too active in our life, we have to learn to take more relational risks. We, we have to... Maybe get to a point where we ask questions that, that might 
bring emotion to the surface. And that's okay. Because we're emotional people. We're made to have emotion. We're made to hold on to one another when we cry. We're made to to shout and dance with one another when we're excited and happy and celebrating. We were made in the image of our Father in heaven. And so all of those things, that range of emotion is important when we get to this gear to understand how do I connect. So we have to to know people. We have to explore them so they feel discovered. And as a result of that, there's a sense of, of feeling a deep internal touch. I hope that every one of you have felt this at some point in your life. You've gone away from a conversation or discussion from someone and you felt like, wow, I feel known. I feel explored. I feel like, like I was heard and discovered. And I, I just, my soul is in a different shape now because that has happened. That's what gear two is all about. It, it, it's about learning to be better humans because we are living into the shape that we've been made into. But unfortunately, you know, there's some downside to gear two. There are some of us who held up two, and, and, and I, I, I don't want to really, you know, argue with you that that might be yours, but I would encourage you to think about going home, and the people you came with this morning or someone that's hearing this or sit someone down in, in, in front of a computer or a phone and make them watch this, so that they get a, a good understanding of what you're talking about. And then put your gears in order, but let them do yours first. Let those around you tell you what gear they think you prefer. Because some of us really prefer this deep conversation, and it's the only thing we prefer. And we won't have it, we won't have anything else unless we have that. That's a problem. That is not natural. In fact, gear two is, is about reciprocity. And so you know that you're healthy in gear two when there is an equal amount of listening and talking. Some of us even are so good at questions. I love questions. You know, I, I love asking people questions. It, it, it comes in handy because if I don't want to talk, if I just ask questions, it's easy for me to not have to talk. But that's not good. Gear two is about reciprocity. It's about me being able to connect with other people by listening to their narrative and, and asking questions. But it's about me also being able to do the same thing with them. There's no connection without reciprocity. Early on in my parenting career, my three-year-old daughter taught me about what it means to connect with humans. When I was um, doing my gear four thing, I'm, you know, I, can, I can spend time with my kid while I'm you know, doing other things, and, and she would come and grab my face, and, 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 and she would put her hands on my cheeks, and she would take my face and put it directly with hers, and she would tell me something she wanted me to hear. It was interesting. You know, it's like 
For a moment, I was angry. But then my heart broke for the realization that she needed that connection. She needed that face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball understanding that I was committed to this conversation. That I wasn't doing the, you know... And I, I, you know, I, it's, it's very difficult if you, like you go to a restaurant, uh, any kind of barish type restaurant that has, you know, 4,000 TVs in it. And you're sitting there talking to someone, you know, and you're constantly looking up at ESPN or, you know, FS Sport. You know, they got 52 things you can look at and, and it's hard to lock into someone and, and stay on focus. But we were made. We are made. To show that commitment. We were made to be reciprocal in this conversation. We're we're made to connect deeply with other human beings. You see, it's why I think Paul has that anchor passage in Philippians. Do nothing from emptiness nor selfish conceit, but with humility of mind. Think of one another before yourselves. So one last thing about presence. You know, it's one thing to be present with humans, but what has impacted my life more than anything else is learning to be present with God. Oftentimes you'll hear those of us who are on this stage talk about a relationship with God. And and that's what happened when Jesus came. When he left heaven and came to earth, he put a face on God. And he he wanted to move us from being just in a creature-creator relationship where we have this kind of distance to to this closeness of being a father in a child. And so that's why John says in in John 1.12 that to as many as is trusted in Jesus, to them he gave the right to be his children. That's how God wants us. To relate to us. And so learning to be present to God is, is like foundational in learning to be present with other human beings. And oftentimes it, it, it's difficult for us because God is not a human being. He's not a, an object. He's very subjective. I can't touch and see and feel him. I can see his effects in this world. I can see the order that he's created, but I can't see him unless I look into the pages of this book. You see, one of the ways to be present with God is is to simply let his words be present in your world. It is to let the things that he says be present. You can always tell a father who's had a profound impact on his kids when you hear his kids quote him, right? Well, my dad always said, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that, that kind of thing. A, a father has had a profound impact because his words are present still in his children. The same thing's true of being present to our Father in heaven. It's, it's foundational to learning to be present with other people. It was foundational for me to redirecting myself from my way to Jesus' way to discover the truth that an other-centered life is the life that God wanted me to, to live. And that's the life that Jesus promised. And so learning to be present to God becomes foundational. 
I think you've been able to tell that I don't have to read Philippians 2. I have it memorized. One of the ways for you and I to have God present in our life is to go to the, the links of memorizing some of his words. You can be driving down the road. I can be driving down the road, and the idiot in front of me is not using his turn signal. I can tell that he's out of blinker fluid. And, and I am engaging with him or her, and all of a sudden... Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Think of one another as more important than yourselves. Damn. It, 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 it works right there in that moment because my Father, Heavenly Father's words are present in my life. And so as a result, He's coaxing me along the way with the truth to find the life that He promised. And so one of the ways to start with getting a better gear to is to simply think about some place in the Bible. Maybe it's Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Maybe it's not for you. But to go to the links of writing those words out on a 3 by 5 card carrying those words around you and repeating them to yourself long enough until they become etched in your memory so that your Father in Heaven's words are present in your life. And when His words become present in your life, you will be surprised. It's the way the kingdom of God works. When we give God presence in our life, He shows up and begins to work in ways that are unimaginable. I would much rather respond in anger to that car in front of me. But there is something about my soul that is satisfied when I respond the way God is teaching me. I would rather respond in, in snippy, cynical type stuff to my wife when she doesn't do what I want her to do or when I'm not doing what she wants me to do. But but there's something in my soul that is right about thinking of her and her needs as more important than mine. It shapes me in, in, in ways that, that I love eventually. It leads me to understanding what Jesus meant in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because life is hard. Life takes work. It doesn't just happen. Because we start out in life on our own way. And it's not until we find Jesus and we discover his way through his truth that we get to the life. We're made to connect with one another. We're made to have a robust gear to in our life. But just like in 
my RAV4 gear two doesn't get you very far. You need all gears. You, you need all five of them, all six actually. You need reverse. You need them all. And if you don't have the emotional intelligence and the flexibility to find those gears when you need them, then life gets harder. So much harder. So if you don't have the app, you know, Justin sits up here and stands on his head trying to get you to download the app. Um, there are some rich resources. You can't get all that there is to get about the gears in this 30-minute time on Sunday morning. And so I would encourage you. There are some great resources there to, to be able to put these into practice, to walk them out in your life, to understand these gears and understand how you can gain in your emotional intelligence, how you can grow in your ability to be other-centered and connect in ways that our Father in heaven has meant for you and I to connect. Let me pray. Father, um, thank you for, for loving us uh, in ways that are difficult for us to understand. You created this incredible world. Uh, you, you, you put it into to action. It, it works in, in, in so many ways. It doesn't come apart at the seams. Um, you, you created human beings, such unique, magnificent uh, expressions of, of who you are because you made us in your own image. And Father, I pray this morning that, that um, for everyone that's hearing my voice, I, I pray that, that, that they might feel in the depths of their soul their uniqueness. You made them. You wired them. And you love them. And, and you want them to find that way. You want them to consume that truth. You want them to live that life. It's how you've made them. And Father, as we fight to find truth in life, as we fight to find meaning in life, as we fight to find purpose in life, as we fight to find peace in life, gently tug us to that starting point of Jesus. To understand that he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Father, this morning we come in his name. Amen. Cool.